When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's Odds and End Zones, a podcast feature of MileHighReport.com. From props to parlays to totals and spreads, it's time to sweat it out. Here are your hosts, Ian St. Clair and Adam Malnati. And five, four, three, two, oh wait, we're already on. Ian. It's the final countdown. What a week. What a, what a time to be alive. Yeah, what a few days. I mean, the Broncos did win. I mean... Russell Wilson gets his first win as a member of the Denver Broncos. Nathaniel Hackett gets his first win as an NFL head coach, but you would not think that the Broncos have had won on Sunday against the Texans based on the feels reaction. Like, yeah, it feels like 0-2, right? It feels a little bit like 0-2. Although they're 1-1, one and, one, and as I have said repeatedly, I said it on last week's show, I'll say it now, the Broncos score in the red zone – evergreen statement apparently they store and not even they don't even have to go above 50 percent they go 50 percent in the red zone against the seahawks two of four they go one of two against the texans that's a two touchdown win in both games those are blowouts it's not hard to imagine the people complaining about the game and clock management and i'm not excusing it I'm just saying it's being overblown because of the ineffectiveness in the red zone and in goal-to-go situations. They go 50% in both of those games in the red zone. The same people are now saying the Broncos are Super Bowl contenders. 
Yeah. And that's not, like I said, I'm not excusing the game and clock management. It's been a glaring issue that has been discussed ad nauseum. I'm just saying it's being overblown because the Broncos are 0 for 6 in the red zone to start the season. And that's play calling, maybe lack of execution, <laughs> complete unlucky and misfortune. I think that's the key. You have two touchdowns where a toenail was out of bounds. You have a touchdown on a shovel pass taken away because of a offside false start, uh, false start penalty. You have two fluky fumbles. I, you have a near catch that honestly could have been a, another I, touchdown. I, I hate I, to I say mean, it. It it just it proves the old cliche that football is a game of inches. I hate that, but it's literally true. on on the on the two catches. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> And, and and at the same time, uh, it also, I think, proves that football is the sport that is the most influenced by lucky bounces. That, that, I mean, I go back to, and I, I hate that we're in 2022 and I'm still going back to 2015 to talk about things, but I'm going to. The Broncos won the Super Bowl in 2015 because they had a great defense and because they got so many lucky bounces. And, and I... I I'll point to this year, Bradley Chubb strip sack on Geno Smith. If that ball ends up in a Broncos hands rather than a Seahawks hands, it's that's a potential scoop and score situation where they win the game and we're not even worried about things. So you're right. And my prop bet hits and your and your prop bet hits. That's right. And then, then we're, and, and then you're the guru, not me. Oh, by the way, I'm the guru. I, I got, I, I was the top uh, picker of the things so just tooting my own horn. Cause I guess I, I'm doubting it'll happen again, but that was the number one. What the, what? All right. Anyway, I digress. Cause I, the, the luck will go away real quick here. And, and speaking of the luck, I want to traverse back to 2009 and a certain head coach that you despise mm. more than just about anything in football. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're going to say his name, aren't you? I'm not. Okay. Everyone knows who it is. Starts 6 and 0. Starts 6 and 0. Super Bowl. Think about the reaction to those first 6 games. There was that miraculous win over Tony Romo and the Dallas Cowboys where they they wore the horrible brown and mustard vertical striped socks, like the original Broncos uh, uniforms. That's the last time they wore them. So you have that win. You start six and zero. Think it's about the, the reaction. Win against Cincinnati. The the lucky Stokely. The Brandon Stokely catch. The, the Gus Johnson call. Oh, I like that. What's think, think 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 about the reaction that we had to those first six games. And think about the reaction from fans, from media, from from just about everybody about these first two games. And the whole point is to be patient, to let it play out because you have no idea what's going to happen. That's a really good point. And I, I will, I'm going to, I'm not going to give you a counterpoint, but I will give you a, a reasoning behind the, um, the overreaction. And I think you and I agree on this. It is an overreaction. And 
I, I think the one thing that, that you and I differ on is I'm a little more empathetic about it than you are because you're just very logical and you're all about reason and you, you look at it through that lens much better than I ever could. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm also very emotional and, uh, and I will say, uh, I'm raising a son who's that way. He like, as soon as something goes wrong, he wants to turn the game off. Uh, it's like, turn it off, dad. It's over. Just turn it off. And I'm like, I'm kind of the same way, but that's how my old man missed the drive. Uh, that's a fun story. So imagine because you're, we're both Yankees fans. Yes, we are. So a- after the all-star break, it's kind of been an emotional roller coaster for your son. It's been watching rough. the New York Yankees. It's been rough. He did enjoy uh, he enjoyed Tuesday night in particular. Judge hits 60. Uh, Stanton hits a grand slam walk-off. But I'll tell you, leading up to that uh, magical inning, he was just as angry as can be. And then, uh, you know, Wednesday night, they smoked the Pirates. Uh, and Torres hit two in the ninth, which or in the eighth, excuse me, which is hilarious. Uh, you know, good times. Anyway, I digress. I, I think what I'm – you bring up the, the McHoodie – uh, the Mick douchebag, the, the guy who makes me more angry than any other former Bronco, period, period. No, no other former Bronco makes me more angry than this guy. And you, you bring that up and then you talk about Vic Fangio last year in, in 2021, they went three and O and you look at Vance Joseph and, and how he started his career. And you look at, you go back through the list of, of, of first time coaches, new Broncos coaches, whatever you want. What you see is sort of that up and down, right? Some guys are good. Some guys are bad. And that's just the way that it is. But as fans, you know, fan comes from the word fanatic and a a fanatic is someone who does not act with logic. They act with emotion. They react to what's going on. And so that's what makes things like podcasts and talk radio and sports center and, and all of these you know, talking head shows on TV. That's what makes them popular because they're instant reactions to sporting events and things that are happening that are emotional reactions. I get why there are so many fans who are upset. Listen, the the, the clock management stuff, the, the second you could hear the fans start counting down in, in Mile High Stadium, you, that right there is a, is a ding, 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 something's wrong here, okay? And everybody knows it, including Nathaniel Hackett and George Payton and, and the Broncos, and they and they know they've got to fix it. It's okay for us to react as, you know, emotional beasts because that's what we are. But then we also have to do what you've done and, and pull back a little bit and look at the history of things, recognize that, it can get better. It will. There's really only one direction to go, and that's up. It will get better. And for me, and this is this is sort of where I go with this. To me, this points more to the fact that you have an entirely new team, not necessarily all new players, but just the makeup of the team, the way the team is run, who the quarterback is, who the head coach is, who the offensive coordinator is, who the defensive coordinator is, who the special teams coach is, who the owner is, who the GM is. who the, There's so many things about this team that are brand new, yet they didn't take the time to play any snaps in the preseason. And I'm not saying they needed to play a ton, but look at how the Bills are doing, and they played their starters. You know, I just that's just a little bit more preparation, recognizing that, hey, this is all new. We should, we should practice in these practice games. That's the only thing that I really am taking away from it is that 
these first few games are are going to be played with the mistakes that a preseason game should be played with. So I'm really not worried about it. I'm just more frustrated that they didn't recognize that and I could, right? Or that they didn't see that, well, you know, since we're all new here, we should probably get to know each other and, you know, do some sort of icebreaker game or something, which is always really fun for those of you who know what I'm talking about with icebreaker games in a meeting. Garbage, boring, awful, but sometimes you got to do it. That's the same thing as a preseason game. That's the place where I go with this. I get frustrated that they didn't recognize that. And so we're going to watch two or three weeks of preseason during the regular season. And that could hurt them in the long run with their record and where they end up in the AFC West and things like that. But I don't I don't see this as, a, as the season is over and Nathaniel Hackett's on the hot seat or uh, he was only hired, the, the article that came out, he's only hired as a, allure for Aaron Rodgers as if George Payton is some sort of moron and didn't think ahead of what might happen if this doesn't work. I, I get the whole thing. Everybody needs to R E L A X chill. That's right. I spelled it wrong. I, I, and I'll go back to this. Despite all of that, you get a fortunate bounce. You're two and all. That's right. It's true. I mean, you're you're absolutely right. Look it, it's not re it's not reinventing the wheel. It's just execute. And I and and, and I'm going to make this comparison. I made this comparison to my wife. It's similar to a golfer or to a baseball player who has the yips, where they're just on a streak where they have no confidence. But as soon as they get that hit, the confidence comes back. And it, it's like this in hockey, especially with the Colorado Avalanche. When they're on a streak where they're struggling to score goals or a goalie is making unbelievable saves like Be- like Bezileski did in the Stanley Cup final over a couple of, of periods or even through the course of the playoffs, where you run into that course where it seems like nothing's going in, he's saving everything, but as soon as you get that goal, it snaps and it starts to snowball. As soon as the Broncos get a touchdown, they're going to get that. It's going to click. They're going to get the confidence, and it's going to snowball. That's what happens in sports. Streaks are real. I, there's no doubt about it. Uh, mo- momentum is real. Uh, every every sport has their, their things that create momentum. In baseball, it's home runs. In basketball, it's a big three-pointer, a, a massive dunk. In, in hockey, it's a it's a goal at the right time or a big hit on a guy on a back check. There's there are things that that propel a team into that, and the Broncos really just need something like that that creates that click. And it's it's going to come, it's going to happen. We just we don't know exactly when. And I think that's that's kind of what's interesting about what's going on here with the line for this game. And I'll just jump right into it. The line moved. They went from being a, a favorite, a two and a half point favorite, to a one and a half point dog because of what happened in weeks one and two. And they're getting ready to play a, a team in the San Francisco 49ers that have a head coach who's been to a couple of Super Bowls as a coordinator and a head coach who uh, knows what he's doing, runs a good offense, is good in the uh, regular season, just can't win a Super Bowl apparently. Sorry, Kyle. Um, <laughs> a little cheap shot at the old Kyle Shanahan there. But they have a team that is well-prepared. They have a team that is professional and, and has been through things together. And even the loss of their quarterback in Trey Lance doesn't hurt them as much because they've got Jimmy Garoppolo. 
And so, you know, of course the line's going to move on that. And it makes it hard to look at the Broncos and say, yeah, they are definitely going to win this game. I think we went from, yeah, they're definitely going to beat Seattle to they should obviously beat Houston to, wow, this is a tougher game than I thought it might be. And so when we're looking at picking this game and we're talking about some of the bets we might place and those kinds of things, the way that the team has been run the first two weeks hurts the fans' confidence. And and I think you see that translated onto the field. So hopefully those kinds of things will be fixed for week three. Otherwise, I am I am concerned about this week just because it still feels like preseason to them. What should give the team confidence? What should give the fans confidence? What should give Nathaniel Hackett confidence? Is Russell Wilson's success against this franchise. Russell Wilson in his last five starts against San Francisco. This comes from Alec, Eric Dalala, who's a writer for DenverBroncos.com. Last five starts, 13 touchdowns, one interception, 105 rating, and a 4-1 and one record. Wilson's 16 regular season wins against the 49ers are his most against any team. Russell Wilson knows how to beat the San Francisco 49ers. They score touchdowns. They beat the San Francisco 49ers. The offense moves the ball. They'll be able to move the ball against the San Francisco 49ers. It's a matter of finishing drives. To me, that's my key to the game. Because Ajiro Evero, his defense has been phenomenal to start the season. There have been a couple of, of big runs. They've started slow. But they have been phenomenal the first two games that's not going to change you're on you're on Sunday night football at home wearing the blues Broncos country is going to be fired up the key is the Broncos finishing drives if they score touchdowns they win this game yeah it's it's hard to argue with that my key to the game is uh, is to lean on Javante Williams in fact lean on him in the red zone Lean on him in goal-to-go situations, but please don't hand him the football from the shotgun formation when you're inside the one. That's the one thing I don't want you to do. But the the key to the game, and the key really, I think, to finishing drives, as you've said, is allow Pookie to carry the ball and to carry the load. I know Melvin Gordon is is a guy who's going to give you some of those veteran carries, and he's going to make certain decisions, but quite frankly, he puts the ball on the ground too much. I want to support him. I like him. I don't have a problem with Melvin Gordon. But in those situations, in goal-to-go situations, inside the 20, right, when you're in those in those areas in the red zone where you need a guy who can just put somebody on there behind and run right over him, to me, that's, that's give the ball to Javante Williams' territory. Leaning on him, giving him the football, letting him carry the offense a little bit, taking a little pressure off of Russell Wilson, taking a little pressure off of Nathaniel Hackett. Quite frankly, to me, if you're a running team, calling the plays is simple. Give the ball to the big guy behind you and let him do his thing. Don't give it to him when he's standing next to you. I don't like that. I don't like the shotgun handoff. I'm going to say that one more time, especially from inside the one. But <laughs> just just give it to Pookie. Give it to Javante Williams. Let him do I want to see him on angry runs. I want him to get the scepter. I want all that stuff. I don't even know if they're doing that on Good Morning Football right now. I hope so. It's a great segment. Well, they're still doing that. Oh, thank goodness. I hadn't seen Good Morning Football yet this year. Uh, just I'll because, go, I'll, you know, been working. I'll, I'll go a step further with that. Put an offensive lineman as your fullback. Ooh. Like a, like a, like, like a big offensive lineman. One with like a big belly, perhaps. 
and you, you, we mentioned the confidence earlier. That's why I think I would love to see KJ Hamler play this week. He didn't play in week two against the Texans. Have him play week three. If the Broncos get the ball to start the game or their first possession, whether they defer or whatever, first play, go deep to KJ Hamler. You want to give your offense confidence. You want to get that building fire up, fired up. Have Russell Wilson throw the deep ball to KJ Hamler. A, that's a great idea. We've been talking about the deep ball. We've been talking about his ability to throw the ball down the field ever since the Broncos traded for him. Uh, and, and we've seen it a little bit, nothing that has uh, necessarily lit up the board. We haven't seen that big, long touchdown yet. We've seen a couple passes to Cortland Sutton. We've seen uh, some pass interference plays, which there's another reason to throw it downfield to somebody like Cortland Sutton, but also KJ Hamler as the burner. There, there are ways to make this offense uh, exciting. And I, I, I like that. I like that opportunity to do that. And so I think those are uh, definitely some things that should happen, could happen, and and I think would make the team uh, better for it. And you're right. Sunday night football, you're playing in prime time. You better, you better bring, you better, you better bring your a game because I guarantee you Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers will be there and they will be ready because they are, they are going to be ready. They just are. Kyle Shanahan is a good head coach. So I'm, I have no doubt that they'll be ready to go on Sunday night, even with the loss of Trey Lance. Some people are saying that Jimmy Garoppolo makes them even a little bit better because of his experience. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if I disagree with it. I just know that they're going to be good this year. Well, at least this week. And it's no secret. This was the key. It's been the key for a Kyle Shanahan offense going against them as a defense. It was the key against Mike Shanahan. It's the key against any of the branches of this offense. But it's especially true with the San Francisco 49ers. Stop the run. You stop the run and you make Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers one-dimensional, that's where you allow Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory to get after Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's also what leads to him getting happy feet making throwing turnovers but it's all due to stopping the run absolutely the other thing that i think we've got to make mention of you mentioned stopping the run and making them one-dimensional we don't know if pat sertan's going to be out there we don't know if jerry judy's going to be out there we don't have those reports yet as we sit here and record this on a wednesday night those things aren't available to us yet that will change the dynamic of the game a little bit as well for the defense and the offense uh whether or not the you know Pat Sertan is going to be able to shut down one side of the field because he has shown that he can do that, and whether or not Jerry Judy is going to own the middle of the field because he's the guy who seems to be the one taking over the middle of the field when he's out there. So uh, there are a couple of caveats to all of this as far as knowing what's going to happen with those players potentially being out, and there is a pretty long list of um, injured players or guys that are questionable. The, the players that didn't practice on Wednesday, that list was pretty long as well and included some big names. So uh, it will be something to pay attention to heading into the game on Sunday night. It would also be, I, I'm curious to see if Billy Turner plays, but he has yet to play at right tackle. If the Broncos are able to get Billy Turner back, he is their starting right tackle. That should help. It should help a lot. All right. So we've talked a lot about a lot of players here. Do you have, a player to watch on defense. Let's let's start on defense. I kind of like I like starting on defense because that's been their strength this year. I will go to my key to the game defensively, DJ Jones, former San Francisco 49er, 
he is going to lead the charge on stopping the run because it's going to come from interior pressure. That's what disrupts everything from an offensive standpoint is interior pressure. If DJ Jones is consistently doing it, it's going to allow Bradley Chubb. It's going to allow Randy Gregory. It's going to allow the other defensive ends, the linebackers. I'm hoping Josie Jewell is able to play on Sunday night. That will help. But it's definitely DJ Jones and interior pressure to stop the run. Yeah, I like that. Um, I actually am going to go on the outside because when Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory are on the field together, they're scary. They're, they are they have been a very good uh, pass rushing tandem this year uh, in the first two games. If they can continue that with a Jimmy Garoppolo in the backfield rather than a Trey Lance, they don't have to worry about uh, a lot of movement. You've got a, more of a statue back there. And I know we talked about that with David Mills as well in Houston. Uh, I, Jimmy Garoppolo is, isn't necessarily immobile, but he's not going to scamper away. And so to me, if you can get the if you can get them to be one-dimensional and force Jimmy Garoppolo to throw, and you've got Bradley Chubb and Randall Gregory pinning their ears back, that sounds like a that sounds like a recipe for success on defense for sure. And it allows the secondary, which could be missing Pat Sertan and is missing Justin Simmons, the opportunity to uh, not have to worry about covering their guy for as long. And they did pretty well against Houston, but I, I get the feeling that, you know, a Debo Samuel-fueled uh, offense might be a little bit trickier. And it does sound like George Kittle is going to play as well. So they're going to have their weapons in San Francisco. They will have their offensive guys out on the field. And Speaking offensively, of offense. <laughs> my, uh, my player to watch is Russell Wilson because at the end of the day, it falls on him to get the ball in the end zone. And regardless of how close they are, regardless of how unlucky they've been or misfortunate or lack of execution, the play calling, it falls on him to get the ball in the end zone. And I don't think anyone knows that more than him. And he's still been one of the best quarterbacks in the league the first two weeks. Now it's on him to get the ball into the end zone. And he's my player to watch, and I think he's going to get it done. I think you're uh, you're in in the right direction there. I'm I'm going to stick with Javante Williams. I, I I said his name earlier. There's no reason for me to go away from him. Obviously, uh, guys like Cortland Sutton, guys like uh, you know you know guys like um, um, Albert Akuweg Bunam, and uh, you know the rest of the tight ends. And and, it, and quite frankly, Albert O might be somebody to watch just because I feel like he's falling out of favor a little bit based off of the way that the gameplay has been to this point. So that'll be an interesting thing to watch just moving forward. But still, and he had a huge drop on he, Sunday. He absolutely did. Another another situation where you go, well, if he catches that ball, that keeps things moving. So he might he might be a good player to watch as well. But I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Javante Williams because I do believe he is uh he is capable of carrying this team. I think the load split is is a little bit frustrating. I'd love to see that tilt a little more in his favor. I'm not saying he's got to get 90% or 80% or even 70% of the carries, 65%. I, I think I'd be happy with 65 to 70%. That's about where I think he should be at. Just because I'd like 80 or 90. <laughs> I mean, I know we'd love to see him at 100%, but you also want to, you know, you want to make sure that he's got fresh legs at the end of the year. So to me, you know, 65 to 70, maybe 75% of the snaps for Javante Williams would be nice. He's definitely my player to watch this week on offense. Um, get a bold prediction for me. The Broncos score a touchdown on their first possession. Ooh, that is a bold prediction considering the way things have gone. I like that. Um, 
who's going to score it? Like, what's it going to be? I mean, go go all out and give us a give us more than just a touchdown. Well, I mean, if I'm going to go bold, I, I'm going to go KJ Hamler. I like it. I do like that. I think that that would be great. But we don't even know if he's playing. So that that's what the caveat that he actually right. plays. That would be game. one heck of a touchdown if he scored while he wasn't even playing. That would be impressive. Right? That yeah. would be. That, I mean, that would that, that would be some next level stuff. I don't even know what I would do with that. Uh, all right. Uh, I do have a bold prediction, and it is one that I think is a little bit crazier. I, I think the Broncos score more than 28 points in this game. I, like I just think that they have the the firepower to do it, and I have a feeling that the lucky bounces are going to start to go their way versus the other team's way. And so I'm feeling I'm feeling a a, a more than four touchdown game. Not necessarily four touchdowns, but definitely more than 28 points. Uh, is, You're feeling is, dangerous. I'm feeling dangerous. I'm feeling dangerous. Dangerous. I, dangerous, if you will. Yes, I do like that. And, I, and I, I like that because you know they're motivated. You know the folk, they, they, they know this 0 for 6 stat. You know this 0 for 5 in goal-to-go situations. They know that. And no one is more determined to flip that on its head than Russell Wilson. So I like that. All right, it's time to predict a score. I, I have a score prediction. I literally just wrote it down, and it's kind of based off of my bold prediction, but I'll I'll let you go first and see if we are anywhere close. I'm going to go 31-17 Broncos. Oh, yeah, we were so close. We were so close. We were so close. I am also at 31 for the Broncos. I have 24 for San Francisco. Uh, it's too early in the season for me to get negative and pick against my team anyway, and so I don't have to worry about that. I just I just feel like an offensive explosion is coming. I'm not sure the defense can hold George Kittle and Debo Samuel out of the end zone all that much. I think 24 is a good number for the defense this week. So 31-24 uh, Denver feels like a good prediction there. All right. In terms of in terms of the betting aspect of this, as we said, the books don't release prop bets for the Sunday games or the Monday game until Friday not until after the Thursday night game, which this week is the Browns and the Steelers. So we don't have any prop bets up for the Broncos yet. There's one weekly special that's on Jimmy Garoppolo, which I'm not going to do because it's not going to happen. I'm not even going to mention it. The over-under sits at 45. And what's fascinating about this is you mentioned the line moving three points from minus two and a half at DraftKings to plus one and a half. The money line is... it's like they're trying to to even out here. So the Broncos are plus 100. So it's, it's, it's plus money. That would be a better bet than the spread because right now at one and a half, the Broncos are minus 115. So, I mean, you're not going to win by a point. So you might as well bet the money line and get your money back. In terms of the betting aspect of this, the first two games, the under is hit both times, and the Broncos are zero and two against the spread. That's called that's called inside information. That I I don't know how inside it is more so than it's just that's just really good. Uh, it's really good research. That's that's what that is. Um, all right, so let's do this. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll take a look at the AFC West. We'll do our whip around the league, and then we will uh, we'll we'll say go Broncos. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Ian. Let's uh, let's jump right into our, our one prop, right? We're doing one prop this week on the Thursday night game. That is uh, Pittsburgh and uh, Cleveland. Pittsburgh and for clarity's sake. I'm 0 for 2 on both of my props. I had Patrick Mahomes at over two and a half touchdowns. He had two. I'm pretty sure I'm 0 for as well on my props. I don't even want to, like, I, I try not to even think about it. I usually, what I do when I place my bets is I place them and then I go back and I look and I see if I, if my money is more or less on my phone. Like, I look and usually it's less. And I go, well, that sounds about right. And then I move on. It's, it's just kind of the way it is. So uh, I don't even worry about what my record is because if you worry about your record, you're uh, you're gonna be sad. Although I am uh, the uh, the guru from week two, I did get uh, the most uh, money pick wise. You can ch- you Google it. Just Google me. I'm I'm big time. That's <laughs> don't Google me. It's a bad idea. All right. Uh, so your your prop is gonna go second. I'm going first. I've got a, a good prop here. I think for Pittsburgh's first drive, they're gonna get a field goal attempt. That's my prop. It's plus three forty. Which ooh, I like it. Feels like. You know, I, I I think Cleveland's defense is pretty good, but it, I, I have really no faith in their offense. I, I'm kind of hoping that Cleveland gets the ball first, some sort of turnover. Mitch Trubisky will definitely stall because he sucks, and then they'll kick a field goal. I don't know if they'll make it or not. It doesn't really matter because that's not what the bet is. First uh, drive will result in a field goal attempt for the Pittsburgh Steelers. At plus 340, I feel I feel like that's kind of a fun little prop bet there. I'm not going as bold. Both of mine are plus money, so I I do have two, again, from the Thursday night game between the Browns and the Steelers. Jacoby Brissett, over-under interceptions is over 0.5. Him throwing over is plus 110. Jacoby Brissett is going to throw one interception, even without... TJ Watt for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Say, I mean, like... Jacoby Brissett is going to throw an interception. Yeah. And then my other one is Amari Cooper over under receptions is at four and a half. The over is plus one Oh five. I'm saying Amari Cooper is going to get five receptions. So Jacoby Brissett to throw an interception, Amari Cooper to get five receptions. Even if you add those up, mine is still uh, a bigger, bigger long shot than yours. I don't Correct. know. If that's and I don't think you can. I don't think you can parlay those anyway. Probably not. I don't. I don't believe you can. You'd have to. You. You could certainly look into it if you want to, but that's not really how I want to do things. 
Um, you, I mean, you, you, in, in DraftKings, like some of the other sports books, you, you have the same game parlay where you have to click it on, yep. and then that's how you build your parlay. So you have to take whatever markets that they have. So in that sense, they probably do have it. I'm, I'd be curious. I'd, I'm not going to do it now because it would take time to know if, if it's still plus 105 or plus 110 for uh, Jacoby Brissett throw interceptions on the same game parlay aspect of it in that sense i would i would build a parlay with those two things and then throw in the steelers to open i don't know if that's a, a market on a same game parlay or not i don't think so i, I didn't I, but i don't know i would have to look at it too it's, it's certainly something to look at though and if you're going to do those things you know build some stuff up and see what see how you're because you don't have to place the bet right away build it see how you feel about it if you if you don't like one thing or another you can always take things out uh before you place your bet make something that you like that feels comfortable recognize that you're probably going to lose your money anyway so don't go too big especially on, it. on a parlay especially because parlays are tough and and have some fun with it but don't don't overdo right everything in moderation is according to like i don't know lots of people and the cliche so that, whatever the, your moderation is. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, because my moderation is like a dollar. So just, just everybody calm down. All right. So we've that's the Steelers and Browns. That's the that's the Thursday night game. I don't care who wins. I I will say this. I think I'm rooting for the Steelers, and you got to do a lot to tick me off to make me root for the Steelers. And Cleveland, you have done that. So uh, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. I'm at with that. Um, as far as the AFC West goes, there's a couple of games here. We got the the Raiders at the Titans. Um, Speaking I, of the Raiders, let's, let's, can we? That that <laughs> loss against the Arizona Cardinals was glorious, and it was epic. It, it was, was the largest deficit that the Raiders have had—twenty points—and lost in the history of the Raiders. And I wrote, I wrote an AFC West like watch. I I, I write an AFC watch story on Saturdays looking at the AFC West. And I joked, I mean, it's probably not going to happen, but there wouldn't be anything better than Josh McDaniels and the Raiders starting 0-2. No, that feels so good. It just and the fact that it good. happened, the fact that it happened and the way it happened, oh, Lord, that, that, that just with, added to how little great Kyler it Murray was and his baby run. run. Kyler Murray does this little baby run because when he runs, he looks like a, like a toddler. Like he's, because he's not, about the size of one. I'm not even. It's just the way he like holds his arms. Like he does like this thing. And if you've ever seen a toddler run, but he does it at a, a much higher speed, obviously. And he just is. I. I mean, he shook. He shook Crosby. Oh, off of him like he was like he was just throwing away a towel. That was and that was the the game saver for the Cardinals. If he doesn't do that, the game's over. We're, we're not talking, we're not having this fun conversation that we're having now and where we get to say awful things about the horrible Raiders and their stupid head coach and the fact that they're 0-2 is wonderful. We don't get to do that. So I'm a big Kyler Murray fan right now, even though I have uh, disparaged him in the past and I will not do that anymore. I've already said that. So I have a, and I have a bold prediction for that game against the Titans who ooh. they play, the Raiders play in Nashville. Yes, they do. Derrick Henry is going to go Derrick Henry. He's oh, going to get over 150 yards rushing, and he's going to get three touchdowns. Please, for my fantasy football league's sake, please, I need that to come true. Uh, so that's that's our conversation about that game because I don't I don't really don't think the Raiders can win that game. It's it's they're traveling all the way to the almost East Coast, right? They're going to Tennessee. That's always a problem for West Coast teams. 
and it's the morning game, which is, again, always a problem for West Coast teams. I, I think they will struggle because of those reasons. And on top of that, the mention of Derrick Henry probably makes them shudder. Uh, the next AFC West game to talk about is the Jaguars at the Chargers. The Jaguars aren't good, but they're interesting. Is that? I, th- I think that's kind of a a fair way to say that. I guess it's technically not time wise the next game, but it's the next one I saw. It, it, I mean, it, it's it's an afternoon game. It's in LA. I think I, I think the, I think the hope for Shad Khan and the Jaguars is getting what Doug Peterson did in Philadelphia with Carson Wentz and then Nick Foles. That's what they're trying to recreate with Trevor Lawrence. So it may not be this year. I think the Chargers are going to win this game. I think Justin Herbert's going to play. I think Keenan Allen is going to play. So they and in coming off of that tough loss to the Chiefs last Thursday, they should win this game. They will win this game. But the Jaguars are in an interesting spot for the foreseeable future just because of Doug Peterson being that guy who led Philadelphia to its first Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I I definitely agree with you on those things. And also, Trevor Lawrence is, I think, far more talented than both Nick Foles and, and Carson Wentz. I don't think there's a question combined. about that. So You could combine. I think if you Nick combine Foles those, that actually Carson creates Wentz. a negative, though. So you have to kind of yeah, be careful with does. that. Yeah, so I, don't, I wouldn't combine them because that just creates a negative. I, I will say this, though, uh, and and I I wonder if the Chargers are considering this. Justin Herbert is... Uh, they're Justin Herbert's their franchise. They've they've invested in him. They've got him as their quarterback. They're they're going to do everything they can to keep him uh, around for a long time. I am actually of the opinion, and this isn't just because I don't want the Chargers to win, but I I look at a player like that, and I think if the Broncos were in this situation and they had a player like Justin Herbert, he's his future is our future, so to speak, right? So as the Chargers look at that. I look at Justin Herbert and think to myself, week three, we don't need you. Get healthy. I know that the doctors are probably going to give a diagnosis and and say what he can't injure it any more than he already has. That's probably true. If they're putting him out there, I believe that's probably true. They'll put it. They'll they'll stick him with the needle and numb the pain and all that stuff. I am actually a big believer in you're a young man whose future is bright, which means our future is bright we're going to sit you down because we're going to, we're going to be smart about it over the long haul. I I know that doesn't necessarily mean they get a win against the Jaguars. Although I think they probably still could pull out a win with chase Daniel, just doing, you know, the chase Daniel thing of being a backup quarterback. I think it would be closer and, and that's fine. You accept that. I think as, as the chargers, you accept not getting a win and saving Justin Herbert's health because his health in the long term is far more important than a week three win against the Jaguars. Maybe I'm just being overly cautious, but I, that's how I see it and how I believe I would see it if Justin Herbert was the Broncos quarterback and we were in the same situation. I would say that you play him and you tell your offensive line, protect him. And then you you play him and then you you blow the Jaguars out, which they should, and then you can rest him. Because I think if you play to avoid injuries, you're setting yourself up for failure. Because they're in a this division is going to be too good. The Raiders are irrelevant. They suck. They're not going to suddenly get better. They were overrated last year. 
I felt that last year. I felt it this year, how Rich Heisen jumped on that from the beginning. I'd never understood it. They suck. They're not going to be better. So they're irrelevant. But you cannot afford to get behind, especially in a conference game. If this was an out-of-conference game, I could see them doing it. But in a conference game where you need to have wins, it's going to be up to Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert's going to want to play. He'll play. They'll win. Yeah, no, I, I'm not saying that they should or shouldn't. I just, I look, that's the way I sort of am looking at it. And I get all of those things you're saying make perfect sense. But at the same time, I'm looking at it even beyond this season. Like I'm looking at his career and and you're not wrong. You are setting yourself up there for, is this a, is this going to be a thing that we always, are we overly cautious with him all the time? Right. I mean, John Elway played his entire career without ACLs and MCLs and what no cartilage in your knees, not necessary uh, apparently for a hall of fame quarterback, but that was a different time. Now with the, with the way that medicine is and the way that they treat these guys, I wonder if they wouldn't take the opportunity to be a little more cautious with them. I, I don't, I honestly don't care what they do with him. Uh, Cause if they lose, that's good for Bronco fans, but uh, you know, who, who cares about that? The chiefs are going to beat the Colts. I, I don't think that they're easily, I mean, it's, it's all, it's, it's sad. It was actually sort of sad to see Jonathan Taylor not get used almost at all in week two. Like the, the, the Colts just were like, yeah, we're not going to use you. What, what are you doing? He's your best player. Stop it. You know, it just made no sense. And I think the game of the week is going to be the Bills and the Dolphins. I, the, the Miami Dolphins have been impressive. I mean, talk about another big fourth quarter or a bigger, a big second half comeback. Tua Tagovailoa did that with Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. And I think this offense is going to be very difficult for the Bills to stop. And the Dolphins have a defense too. So I think this is going to be a very good game. It's it's down in Miami. I, I mean, the Bills obviously look and feel the part of the favorite, but the Dolphins aren't going to just roll over. I, I totally agree with you. Here's, here's kind of how I see it. The Bills are a team that if you look at them and you've seen them play, and we've, we obviously have, they look like a team that could go undefeated this year. That's sort of the the talk right now is some people are are putting that out there i'm one of them i am someone who thinks they could go undefeated this is a game right here for the bills that if they could get past this game on the road in miami against the team that just did what they did to the ravens flying high feeling good a lot of confidence if they can get past this dolphins team this week in week three that sets them up for a pretty nice run the rest of the way gives them a lot of confidence and they look like a team that could go undefeated. I, I'm not saying that they will, and I'm not saying that they should. I'm saying that they have the potential to do that. This is one of those games that will test them. I am almost as excited for the game as I am for Mike McDaniel's uh, presser. Uh, I think the things that he says in those press conferences when he's answering questions uh, as the Dolphins head coach, I literally believe he is just trolling the NFL at this point. I think that his demeanor and he is so much the anti bill belichick on purpose that it's it makes it enjoyable to watch him as a head coach and it kind of makes me a little jealous that the broncos didn't go and get him well he was a ball boy for the broncos exactly he bring it bring the kid home bring him home what is he too good for his home i don't think he's too good for his home and then you know what and then (laughs) go ahead i'll I'll say that, that the next game that I'm looking at is the Metamucil Bowl. 
I, I, do, are you going to make me guess? I, I think I have a guess. Is it, is it Cowboys Giants? No, I was going to say Packers Buccaneers. Oh, both, both old, Aaron Rodgers are, and Tom Brady are old. old enough that they need to take Metamucil. Old quarterbacks. I get it. I thought you were just Metamucil as in you need to, to drop a deuce on this one with the Cowboys and Giants as if I need to see the Cowboys and Giants on Monday night. Like, I guess I should have said the prune juice bowl. Oh, no, that would have been a good one too. You know, a little prune juice, loosen things up a little bit, get it, get it all rumbly tumbly out there. Just a little cup of coffee will help smooth things out for you. Um, I'm, I am curious though, and I know that we're, we're sort of past the point of no return here, but I am curious to see how the Cardinals do against the Rams. The the Rams are an interesting team right now. I, they are, you know, Super Bowl def- you know, defending champions. They have a pretty good team. The Cardinals are coming off a really fun win in Arizona. Can the Rams win a game? Can they... You know, it, it's it's just sort of an interesting game, in my opinion. This that one might be fun to watch as well. Um, all right, any any other things we got we got to hit on before we say adios? R E L A X. Just chill. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.